0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. For more resources and information on our church or our team, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Great to see you all. Hopefully you can uh, hang in there and didn't eat uh, pasta or too much bread for lunch. If you start to fall asleep, I just get louder, so just just hang in there. But it is a privilege always to, to be able to preach, to share. Thank you, Ty, for the opportunity. Thanks, Marco and guys, for hosting. Um, you know, one of the things Marco said talking about this, this gospel to the nations, is we need to make sure that as we receive what God's pouring out this week, that we don't do it through the mindset of Hope Rock Church. Yeah, I mean. It's part of it, but it's not all of it. Yeah. Let God broaden us. I felt like even as Marco was praying, God is not equipping those of you here so that simply Hope Rock Church can be in a better place. Yeah. He's equipping you so the kingdom can advance, the nations can be reached, Amen. and the work of God can be done. So just allow that broadness to come. I, I just felt like in God, we have a, sense to, a tendency to narrow things down. Yeah. It applies to me right now, and it should, but it can't stay there. Let it, be, let it enlarge us on the inside. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'm going to speak, uh, what I felt to speak on, and it'll actually pick up on some of the things that Tyron has shared, just the missing ingredients of the modern church as it prepared for this time. Turn with me to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. You know, come, coming through the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything else, it's been an incredible chance for us as a church, as the church, to be able to figure out what we need to carry on with and what we need to shed, what we need to get rid of. And uh, even as I was studying over this scripture, I felt like God took me back a few verses because I believe, and part of what Tyron did this morning is God wants to remind us of the inheritance, remind us of what we have in him, the hope we have, as well as the season that we're in. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 begins, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, Amen. because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. You know, one of the things I loved about truly understanding and coming into the church, I was around the church as a kid, but I wanted nothing to do with it. Everyone I knew that was from church would say one thing and then go out and party with me and then tell me I'm going to hell while they did the same things I did. I I just, I didn't get church. I knew there was a God, but the whole church thing to me didn't make any sense. And when I came to, to, to salvation and received Christ and he saved me, what I loved about understanding the fullness of it is he didn't save me to sit in a seat. He didn't save me to go to church. He didn't save me to be nice. He saved me with great expectation to impact and change the world that I live in. He saved me, redeemed me, someone who did not deserve it, did not earn it. But he saved me for a purpose. And that purpose is the reason why I was created in the first place. And so as you read this, friends, we are born again, reborn, brand new, a do-over, maybe we could call this, because of what Jesus has done, because he didn't just die on the cross and take our sin. He rose again and gave us new life. And so because of that, now we live with great expectation. And I want to encourage us, friends, don't expect people, don't expect church, expect the king of kings to do incredible things. Expect miracles, expect salvations, expect your neighbors and your family and your friends to come to salvation. Expect God to change you every time you come into his presence, whether it's on a Sunday or it's in your devotional time. Live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. And what what is our greatest inheritance? It's not church, it's not family, it's not money, it's not anything of this world. It is Jesus Christ, a priceless inheritance. And it's an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And the world we live in is changing constantly. And if we allow it, our eyes can get on those things and we lose sight of that which we truly have. This Jesus Christ, he doesn't change, he doesn't decay, When we have the privilege of leaving this body and standing before him, welcomed into our eternity, we will inherit Christ. We will inherit an eternity with God. It will not be decayed. It will not be old because we got there after somebody else. It will be just as fresh as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, will be there for us. God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And again, we long for that day when he returns. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Friends, we can certainly say to some measure or another, our faith has been tested in these times. What do we believe? Why do we believe? Do we truly follow God or do we follow church? Being a part of a church leadership, having led a church for years, watching guys go through this leading churches, this thing has come out time and time again. Do we actually believe in what we say we believe in? Do we believe in Jesus Christ? Do we believe in his power to sustain us? Do we believe that he is the rock of salvation, unmoved, unchanged, no matter what happens around us? Tyron said earlier, um, God was not caught off guard by this. And we say that with our mind, but do we truly believe that? Was God shocked by it? Not at all. God knew this was coming, and I believe, obviously, God allowed it to come, and there's purpose in it. And that's what I feel God wants me to just walk us through today. Some simple questions that come out of the time, some incredible solutions of who we're to be as a church, and then how to walk that out. You with me? All right. Marco's with me. That's good. I think the time has forced us to to look at church, to relook at ourselves, and just three questions came to mind. Number one is, what is essential? What is essential? In other words, what is God in? Because if God's not in it, it's not essential. And we can as Christians, we can as churches, we can fill our lives with all sorts of things. But the question isn't, are we busy? The question is, are we giving ourselves to things that are truly essential, that God is in? Because I'm speaking to a leadership forum, we can take it personally, and we should in our own lives, but I believe in the context of the church, we have to make sure that we are pursuing Christ in this hour more than anything else. Because you see, we have a chance, in essence, to have a do-over as the church in America. We have a chance to start over again. You know, the, the thing that came to mind is the old Humpty Dumpty rhyme. He fell over, and they tried to put him back together again, and they couldn't. And what's happening around us is so many are running, trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again with glue and spit and tape and everything else and set them on the wall. What a mess that will be. Let Humpty be done. Let's get on with what God has. Scrambled eggs, that's right. Let's have breakfast. You see, when we came into the pandemic, there was a momentum. The church was doing its thing. We were getting on with what we had. But when the pandemic came and shut things down to different levels, the momentum stopped. And for many, they're longing for that momentum back. The problem with momentum is it just keeps you going even if you shouldn't keep doing it. You're just caught up in it. You feel like you have to keep those plates spinning. And it's a privilege to have that stopped because God may say, well done, carry on. But it gives them an opportunity to speak in what we do. And so we have to ask ourselves as the church, what is God in and what is he not in? And there's so many different contexts. We'll jump into that. The second question is what is effective? what works? What is bearing fruit? Because a lot of times there are expectations of what we have and what we do as Christians, as the church, that may not be bearing fruit, but we do it anyway. To simply do stuff didn't make sense any longer when the pandemic shut everything down. To just keep doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff didn't make sense. We had limited time, we had limited resources, we had limited access So what we did commit ourselves to was that which seemed most important, that which bore the most fruit. And we need to learn lessons from that so we don't go back to what wasn't fruit-bearing just because it's what we're supposed to do. And the third is what is priority one? In other words, what glorifies God? What do we do that glorifies God? And if it doesn't, why do we do it? It seems like a simple question, a simple formula. It seems limited, but it's not. Because God, if God has us do one thing instead of ten, but he's in that one thing and it brings him glory, it will bring far more change and impact than ten other things. Amen. To me, that's freeing. Because yeah. I tend to be a type A personality. I tend to like to fill my time up and feel busy, feel like I'm doing something. And so for me, the shutdown was not fun. I don't like sitting... Uh, in front of a computer all day long. It's not my favorite thing. I like to get out and do things. I like to get my hands busy. I like to build stuff, do things with people. But it made me sit there and go, okay, God, what have I filled my time and my life with that is a waste of time? And it's okay to have activities. I mean, I love to get to the gym. I love to hang out with my boys and do things. That's not a waste. But I have to say, God, what are you truly in? What should I truly be giving my energies to as we come out of this time? Because to go back to what was before would be a waste. It would be a foolish venture. So I believe God gave me just four specific things, and they're not everything, but I believe these are the four things that to me, for the church to be who we're called to be, we being the church, we have to have these ingredients. I think they were around to some degree before, but God's given us a chance to refocus ourselves and to make it the absolute point that we're about. Number one. The other three were questions. This is a new number one, just in case you were wondering. Can be 1A, whatever you want it to be. But the, the utmost thing we need to be focused on is the reverence and awe of God. Amen. As Christians, as the church, as God's people, He has to be our utmost. He has to be our greatest pursuit. Amen. He has to be the focus of everything that we are. Amen. Everything that we do. Amen. Think upon this God that we serve. That, that beginning of the scriptures, in the beginning, God. He existed before anything or anyone else. We get so used to the timeline we live in and the things we can touch and feel. If we allow ourselves for a moment to just shut down the world we know and think of existence before man, before earth, before time and space, there was nothing in the sense of matter but God existed. And God in his ever existence looked into the nothingness and spoke and everything that is came to be. Planets were put in place. Stars were put in place. Life was put on this earth. God looked at all the planets that he had created, and he said, this one earth, I'm going to put vegetation. I'm going to put land and water. I'm going to make it a place where those that I create in my image will live. And then each of us, he thought through, what are we going to look like? What are our gifts going to be? And he knit us together in our mother's womb, and he launched us into this earth. Friends, the God we serve is incredible. And we need to rejoice in him. He needs to be the the overwhelming sense of everything we have. When we come on a Sunday, it can't be, I hope they sing my favorite songs and I hope Marco preaches something good. It has to be, oh, God, I exist because of you. You knit me together. I wasn't born out of, well, what do I do with this one? He's saved now. It's an incredible thing I discovered because my dad left when I was three. My mom abandoned me when I was seven. I didn't understand what it meant to be of value to someone when I came to Christ and he saved me and he revealed to me that Jeremiah 1, before you were born, I set you apart. I I knit you together in your mother's womb. It helped me understand that I was made for great purpose, but I was made by him. And though I have physical parents and wonderfully have have been reconciled with them, they didn't make me. God did. So friends, every day we need to wake up with a greater and greater reverence of Him. Our journey of salvation, again, Tyrant alluded to it, is salvation is knowing God. Yes, know about Him. Yes, learn about Him. Absolutely, get all the theology you can get, but don't let it substitute for knowing Him. Because as you truly know Him, you will revere Him. You will fall before Him. You will be overwhelmed by Him. I remember when when I first got saved in they were praying for people, and people were getting, as the, the term goes, slain in the spirit. And I said, I ain't, it's not happening to me. I'm not going down. And I stood, and I thought, and I remember a guy just praying, and he just kept praying. I felt like it was an ax. He'd pray for a few minutes first time, didn't, and he'd come back and pray again, and my legs started to get weak, came back, and he must have prayed for 15, 20 minutes just praying, and finally I was out on the floor could not get up. The meeting carried on, and I am trying to get myself up off the floor and can't move. (laughs) And was God showing me how present, how ever present, how awesome he is, and teaching me, my boy, you don't have to get up out of my presence. Stay in my presence. You see, what people unsaved need to walk in and come into is the people who are overwhelmed by the awesomeness of our God. We are too underwhelmed We worship too small of a God. We believe in too little things. We get surprised when God does miracles. He's God. We should be shocked. And What happened? There were no miracles today. Was God even here? Instead, it's like, hey, we had a miracle. Let's tell everybody to put it up and get a video about it. That's great because it glorifies him, but surely there's more. Remember that previous scripture of that great expectation. The greatest ingredient the church must have is a reverence and an awe of our Creator, because we exist for His glory, and He's worthy. So I want to encourage us, take time and think upon this God. Think upon who He is, what He's done. Spend time in His Word, not just reading Genesis, but reading who He is, what He's done. Read Revelation. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He holds the keys to death and Hades, and He's got victory over them. John was so overwhelmed, he fell before him as though dead. Jesus said, get up. I've got the keys. I'm the victorious one. Amen. Spend time being enamored by him. And we do. We get enamored by people. We get enamored by meetings. We get enamored by lights and smoke machines and, and bands that can sing. And those are great gifts, but guess who gave them? Yeah. Amen. Worship him. Amen. Yeah. The whole thing of celebrity church will fail if we put our eyes on Jesus and glorify him. Because if that's way, the way we all look, we can't go wrong. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, 18, if you would. Again, Tyranus read some of these. I think he was sneaking into my notes, but that's all right. There you go, bro. Hebrews twelve, 18. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Okay. You're the message guy, right? And again, I, there's, there's parts of this toward the end that I felt it, but I just felt like God wanting to take us back. We're going to read it together. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at that sight that he said, I'm terrified and trembling. And this is a physical picture of a mountain with lightning and thunder and the presence of God upon it so heavily that the people could not go near it or They would drop dead. Yeah. Friends, we need to understand this is the awesomeness of the God that we serve in his physical presence. And we're not even being called to that. He says, no, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Yeah. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. We have come to the promise The promises of God, the presence of God, the angels, the angelic beings he created, the saved ones, the ones whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This imagery is for us to to be enlarged as to the bigness of our God. It goes on and says, be careful, full of care, that you do not refuse to listen to the one who's speaking. The writer of Hebrews is helping us understand the vastness, the bigness, the awesomeness, the righteousness of God. Don't come to him, yeah, it's God. And we can get that approach as a church. We can read the Bible and just think of it as passe, no big deal. A sermon can be preached that should change everything inside of us, and we go, "Ah, I didn't really get it. Friends, we have the opportunity as we come back together and meet together to change the way we come as the people. Not just the preacher coming up and preaching, because too often there were fiery preacher, uh, sermons being preached. And we were, yeah, that's cool. Or we're on our phone or Facebooking or whatever it is. I want to encourage us. We have got to come in as God's people going, Lord, what are you saying? Amen. Because when Marco gets up and preaches, or tired, or whoever gets up and preaches, the word of God, this is his word. Amen. Don't listen to it with the ears of the person. Listen to it with the ears of the God that stands behind it. We have the privilege to be messengers of his word, but it remains his word. In the old times, when a messenger is sent out from a kingdom, he represents the king. This, This king's seal is on the document he carries. And when he arrives, if he is killed or abused or anything else, it's an act of war as if he assaulted the king himself. And we need to understand when the the word of God is brought, the king's word is brought, we need to treat it as if the king himself is speaking because he is. Reverence and awe for the word of God. We cannot be changed by this incredible living word if we continue to look at it the same way we can get into. People need to walk in. And it's not that we sit there and hold a book and all the book, you know, we, we get weird and very religious. I'm talking about the understanding that this is God's word. I want to hear what God is saying, even if I've heard it before. Yes. Yeah. Let me tell you, I've had the privilege, I don't know how many times, to read the Bible through over and over. And every time I read it, he shows me something different. He, he addresses me where I'm at. He encourages me. He shows me things because it's the living word of God. It's God speaking. And do we understand? I think even if he just spoke out loud, I think we would all be on the floor for about a week, yeah. overwhelmed by the mere presence of him. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. As people come into the church, we don't act weird. We just revere God, His Word. We want to be changed by it. Our conversations, even as we leave, should be, man, what did God say? What what was God saying to you? When sometimes it can be, what's for lunch? Or what's on tonight? Is the game on tonight? I'm all for the small talk. It's life. It's reality. But We've got to come to a place where this word stands out. He stands out far more to us. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. And again, Tyron talked about the fact that God is shaking, and it's a good thing. God is shaking us, his people, to get off of us the excess, the unnecessary things that we don't need so we can get on with the things we need to be focused on. It is an incredible time. It is a wonderful time. It is one of the greatest times in my lifetime to be a minister of the gospel, to be a Christian. Yes, we stand out, finally! We don't look like everybody else. We we, we shouldn't act like, we shouldn't sound like everybody else. We're meant to be different. We've worked so hard to fit in. We were made to stand out. We were saved to be different. There should be life in us. There should be reverence of God in us. Not that we, again, not that we get weird and speak Christianese, but that we represent him. We're the crazy people. Oh, Jesus, he did this. Oh, man, that stuff's not weird. That's normal. You know, one of the guys asked me earlier, did you, I, I did some, when I was in college, I did some bodyguarding stuff with people, and I, I was never, I'm never starstruck, it never really mattered to me, but I would tell people what I had done that night, they'd be like, you were around that person, and they'd run around all excited about the person that they didn't, I was around, and it didn't matter to me. We get the privilege to be around God himself, the presence of the Almighty, and too often we can't shut up quick enough to talk about what everybody else is talking about we're enamored too much with the wrong things. And it's our opportunity to restart and be enamored with him. You know, if people don't want to be around us because we're so in love with Jesus, that's okay. But when they are finally looking for him, they'll know who to go to. It needs to be clear. Verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, we're in a shaking world. God's not only shaking his church, but the whole earth is shaking. Economics are being held up by a government that's being held up by ideologies. By It just goes on and on and on. It's all crashing down. And whether it happens tomorrow or it happens 100 years from now, everything around us, this world, is falling. Even our loved ones. I love my wife. My boys would give my life for them. But I know that our time here on earth is limited. But there is one thing that is not. There is one thing that is unshakable, and that's him. The reason it's such a privilege more than ever to preach the gospel now is because we have the one thing that does not change. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Amen? Amen? So with it, a few things. We have to be a people who evaluate what we do as a church. What do we do and why do we do it? And does it bring glory to God? Does it revere him? Do our worship songs, are they ones we like? Are they ones that allude to Jesus? Does it talk about what he's done or what he's the doer of? Or does it just bring him glory? Because it's fine to have little bits and pieces of giving thanks for what he does for sure. But worship is that writing of our mindset to understand he can do all things. God does not need worship. He knows who he is. It's us who forget. Worship, in essence, is that reminder for ourselves to declare and to declare. We come in broken. Our faith is lifted because our eyes get on him. But does our worship revere and bring awe and and, and honor to him? And if it doesn't, get rid of it. I'm not saying get rid of worship. Just change what we do. And if we start to applaud the musicians, and they've done a great job, and there are wonderful musicians around the world, we're in the wrong place. If we start to say, you know, we need this, we just got to get our eyes on him. Those songs have to be not just about Jesus, but honoring and worshiping and declaring who he is. Our preaching, our series, or the things we do have to be making people walk out of here going, what a God we serve. So that someone who's lost who doesn't know Jesus comes in, it's the first time they ever hear and they say, I don't know who that is, but man, it's amazing. We need to to inspire people, to inspire them to be overwhelmed by God. That they go around the lunch cooler on Monday, or the the water cooler on Monday, and all they can talk about is God, 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 God. Let people know you as that God person. Let people know you as that, that Jesus person. That's fine. I have a nephew, we're talking about him at lunch, and it's been a privilege to live near them these past couple years, but he at his school, where my boys now go, is known as the Jesus guy, the Jesus freak, and he had to work through all the struggles of being rejected, unliked, people making fun of him, everything else, because he stood his ground. But I tell you, I am so delighted and grateful to God that my two boys get to live under the, the legacy of what Tyron's two older boys have done and the third boy's coming through. Because they stood their ground, we are seeing more and more seniors and juniors and sophomores and freshmen and eighth and seventh graders coming to salvation, coming to to meetings. Our meetings are filling up with them because one young man stood his ground and was able to be called the Jesus freak. Friends, our neighborhoods need Jesus freaks. And not because we speak weird or act weird, but because we simply love and revere God above all else. All of our gatherings, everything needs to be about Jesus. We have a chance to get rid of the fluff. Church, we have a chance. And most of you here are a part of, of Hope Rock, but wherever, whatever church you're from, wherever you guys online are, it's a chance to just strip away all the nonsense and to get onto that which he's about, that which brings him glory. Part of reverence of God is that thing of, is the Holy Spirit surrendered to every meeting? Because He is God. Amen. And I'm not talking about a moment. I'm not talking about we put a little time aside for the Holy Spirit to do it. And if He shows up, cool. If not, we move on. Is He Lord in the meetings? Amen. From the preaching prior, from our, us coming as part of the life of the church, have we surrendered to Him as we come in? Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do in me today and through me today, do it. A room full, how many people fit in this room? 6,000. 6,000, excellent. Very small people, but fine. 100. 100 people on a Sunday who have surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit before they come through that door means he's going to be in charge of everything. You want to see signs and wonders. You want to see salvations. You want to see people running out here with flames of fire over their head. Come through the door ready first. And then we'll see that running back outside. You see, we can't come in and just hope that Marco brings it. Hope that these guys bring it. We have to have been in reverence and awe of him and surrendered to him. Holy Spirit, use me. Becomes a different thing. But it has to begin before we get here. For the unbeliever who wanders into our meetings, will they encounter a people who are obsessed with Jesus? Not just talk about Him, but clear. They are obsessed with Jesus. Something different, not about what we say, but about who we are. Again, that reminder, verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I spent the most time on that, three other points, but if we don't get that, the rest doesn't matter. As we said last night, as we read that Isaiah 6 text, Isaiah was a a prophet, he was complaining about Israel and his condition and all those things, but it was that encounter with God it caused him to fall out. Done. I'm done. I am undone, undeserving nothing in the presence of this perfect God, and it was God's reaching down to him that brought him back up. And when God said, "Who will go?" He didn't say, "Go do what." He didn't say, "Who will go plant a church or who will go preach a sermon." No, he said, "Who will go? Who, whom shall I send?" Isaiah didn't say, "Well, is it a nice place? Will there be stuff for my kids? And and you know, how's the food? You know, do they have barbecue." He just said, here I, am. here I am, Lord. Send me. We want people to surrender their lives to Christ. It's got to begin with the reverence of God. Number two of the ingredients. Number two of my second set of number two. Yes, that's right. Right roles of leadership. One of the things we need to learn out of this is, is right roles. Roles, in other words, what we do of leadership. I'm trying to give you ours so you can kind of track with it. If we carry on as we did before, where the small and elite group do all the work in the church, we will never become what God's called us to. You cannot have a small group. You've got a couple elders and the worship team and a couple people who kill themselves every Sunday to get everything done while the crowd shows up and cool, we're heading out. We'll never become what God's called us to be. The right roles of leadership has every one of us doing everything God has called us to every time we come together and even more when we go from these times together. 1 Peter 4, 10. God has given each of us, says you but us, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. One of the things we discovered working with churches around the world that happened when everything shut down is churches that had engaged a larger percentage of the priesthood. In other words, there were connect groups and home groups and things happening in the community beyond the, the small group up front. Those churches flourished. They reached their neighborhoods. They reached the schools. They reached they were already out there feeding people, bringing in train loads of food to take it to communities that had nothing. Because they were already doing it. And the churches that didn't have those things that relied on the big meeting and the big moments had no idea what to do. Because the role of leadership was in the wrong place. Yes, there has to be governing authority. Yes, the eldership is the highest governing authority in the local church. But it doesn't mean they're the only ones who do anything or the only ones who have some responsibility before God. We've got to ask ourselves, God, why am I in this church? What is my role and what you want to do through Hope Rock Church or through the church at your home church? Every believer comes to Christ. Their destiny is unlocked as they come to Christ. The reason they were made. And for some reason, we've been duped into this idea, great, you're here, you're a member, cool. Have a seat, give, applaud now and then, throw out a few amens, and if we need volunteers for the kids, I'll let you know. And as sad as that sounds, that's kind of what it's been minimized to, whereas the truth is every believer was created by the hand of God, in the image of God, for the purposes of God, to fulfill the mandate of God to reach all nations. Every believer From the person who hides in the back in the corner because they're afraid they'll be noticed to the person who's up front amening, hoping they'll be noticed. No offense, Marco. Maybe a little. No, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But friends, and and this, this falls on us as leaders. It falls on us as wherever we are in the things of God. Every believer has to be able to lead their family. So you're locked up in your home. All right, kids, let's gather around. Let's get out the Bible. Let's read together. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to teach you how to pray. I don't need a Sunday meeting to lead my home. The Sunday meeting is a time to come together and help me better do so, but I'm already equipped. I'm already ready. We've got to get those roles of leadership in the right place, able to minister to their neighbors. What should have been birthed in this time was churches cropping up in neighborhoods all over America. Because the priests were already ready and they were leading in their homes and they said, you know, all those neighbors, let's go over to them. We'll sit on their porch six feet away with a mask, but I'm going to tell them about Jesus because we've equipped people. Right. Friends, we can't treat this like, this is over, we're done. No, we've got to be ready. So if it comes again, we're ready to respond. And if it doesn't, we're already doing what God's called us to do. Imagine the amount of neighborhoods that can be reached, the amount of churches that can be planted. Not because we said, I'm going to go plant a church but because I know how to lead my family. I know how to reach my neighbors. I'm already caring for the poor, taking clothes to those who need it, having people in my home. We're already doing those things. You see, this is a do-over for us as a church to to assign responsibility where it's meant to be across all of our shoulders rather than on a team that plans and puts an event. Giving clothes to the, the poor as an event is fine, but it can't be everything. Evangelism, you bring up outreach, And people immediately think, oh, there's going to be a church event. We're going to hand out flowers and go door to door, which is fine. But that can't be it. The the leadership can put things in place to inspire us. But, friends, we have got to be those who run with it. The role of leadership resides on all of us. And it's a privilege, not a burden, if God's in it. We've got to equip the saints for works of service. Again, getting people ready to do what they're called to do. I'm trying to skip through too many things. Ministries based upon one man or woman will never last, but built upon a team. So when we're dispersed, it doesn't mess us up. It actually gets us out there doing what we're called to do. Remember in the book of Acts when they wouldn't leave Jerusalem because things were going so well. And a little bit of persecution came and they were scattered. And what began to happen? The gospel got out to all nations. Friends, it was an opportunity. And I'll tell you, this is an incredible opportunity for us. It's a church in America, but it's a church around the world to get on with what God's called us to. We've got to raise up and release leaders constantly, constantly. One of the, A couple of guys talking to them about church planting said, the first thing you should do is begin leadership training right away. Don't wait till you get to a point. Start releasing leaders, not just for your context, but to go to the nations because it becomes part of the culture. Number three, Relevance. This thing of relevance, being culturally or kingdom relevant, is something we've got to decide. We have to be relevant for the kingdom of God. We do not have to be relevant for the culture when, it, when it's compromised. You know, Paul says, I'll be all things to all men so that some might be saved. And we take that as, okay, well, we're going to do exactly what they do. That wasn't what he was saying. He was simply saying, as we see when he goes to Athens and he's waiting to, to get to a meeting and he's walking around, he sees all these statues to all these foreign gods. And in his mind, I'm sure he's praying and thinking, God, what do I do to reach? This is horrible. They're worshiping these dead, fake images. And he finds one that says to an unknown god. he says, got it. He says, this one that you worship, this unknown God, I want to tell you who he is. So by being culturally relevant to the degree he needed to be, he brought in the kingdom. So I do want to encourage us we don't stand out and say we're not going to be around you. That's not what I'm talking about, but we can't become so culturally try to be cool and vibey and I mean we partner with incredible guys where we were in Southern California. Wonderful guys who love Jesus. But Christmas time would come and they would get an in and out truck. I don't know if you guys know in and out. You, you're learning in and out. You you miss out. They'd get they would get camels. They would get camel. camels. They have camel rides out there, elephants, the whole bit to get people to come no mention of Jesus. Come for in an hour, come for this, this is no mention of Jesus. And the mindset was if we do enough like the culture, we make it vibey and cool, people will come and they'll spring Jesus on them. Yeah. What do you think they'll do with that? Poof, I'm out of here. Got my free burger, got my camel ride, I'm gone. And I'm not saying we don't use things to, to draw people, but friends, it can't be bait and switch. Yeah. We can't try and be so culturally cool that we'll get them here and eventually we'll Give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. They're going to hell on the back of a camel with an In-N-Out burger in their mouth. And we're like, ah, look what we did. We had a thousand people come. Cool. Any of them saved? No, but they're happy. And they might come back. We have got to be kingdom relevant. People need Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we don't talk about football or whatever. It doesn't mean we don't hang out with people. But Jesus sat with the sinners. He ate with the sinners. He broke bread with the sinners. But he brought the kingdom of God into those times. He brought salvation. Zacchaeus, come out of the tree. I need you at your house today. Zacchaeus got down out of the tree and said, oh, he repented before God and then had Jesus over with a bunch of sinners. That's when you're culturally impacting by being kingdom relevant. We have got to shift our mindset and and don't work with ploys, don't fundraise, don't do all the worldly things. Trust in the great provider, the great king, the great God we serve and the power of his gospel. Tyron talked about it earlier. We can begin to water down the gospel. But as Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It saved an undeserving wretch like me. I wanted to be a hell's angel. I wanted to go out and do what hell's angels do, because I, I wanted to be as bad and as wrong and as anti-the things of the world around me as I could be, because I knew nothing else. I belonged, I had no identity till he saved me. And it was the gospel of Jesus Christ preached through a man who is the son of the guy who started the Hell's Angels that reached me because I said, if God can reach him, and he was a hitman for that, it was his job. But I saw a man transformed by the power of God and this gospel. And you know where he, he met me at work. I hired him. There's a whole story behind it. But he had my wife, who wasn't my wife then, at his home for a meal with his wife and his kids and ate with us, talked about Jesus with us, answered my questions, prayed for us multiple times. When he finally said, Chris, you have far more questions than I have answers, come to church with me. I'm there. He was relevant to me, but he was kingdom in every way. Our meetings Prayer times. Are we being kingdom relevant? So many churches now are praying. Awesome. We should have been doing it all along. You know, prayer, it's a silly thing to say, you know, we don't pray. Well, are you saying to God you don't need him? Because the church that prays says, God, we need you. We, we can't do this without you. So flip that side over. If we don't pray, we're saying, God, we got this. We'll reach out to you when we need you. The church should pray. But people say, oh, prayer meetings don't work. Well, what are you looking for as the result? Numbers or miracles? Got to pray. We have got to be kingdom relevant. Again, we have to look at our ministries. We have to look at what we invest our time in, our money in. Is it kingdom relevant or is it cultural? Sorry, I'm realizing I'm out of time. Number four, reach. We have to impact outside of our walls. The pandemic forced most churches to get out of their buildings and to be out there. Let's stop trying to get back in. Meetings are important, and we need to have them absolutely. I'm not arguing against that. It's just that if this is all we come back to, we've missed the point. You see, there are six and a half other days of the week when the gospel needs to be out there. That's when the priesthood of all believers comes together. We've got to start training up businessmen and women, school kids, uh, baristas and gym junkies and everything else to go out there and take the gospel to the streets every day. This can't be it. We can't say, well, I'll get them to church and maybe they'll get saved. No, go plant seeds, go water seeds, go reach people, go do what God has called you to do outside of these walls. Have people in your home, have coffee with unsaved people, love on them, give them Jesus and let's do what God has called us to do. He didn't save us to come to church. We were brought together here to get rallied and equipped and directed as a people and then go. And that means we as leader, church leaders can't get in the mindset that my Sunday is the biggest moment. No, our Sunday is essential and important, but what our people are doing the rest of the week is what's truly going to make the difference in our communities. This community needs to know that Hope Rock Church exists, not because the building's here, not because you shop in this little area, but every neighborhood we are, you are in as a church needs to know Hope Rock Church exists. For Jesus Christ. Because the priests are priesting. The priests are loving. Dropping bags of groceries off. Ministering at their schools. Bringing kids to salvation. Teachers to salvation. Reaching our businesses. Friends, there is such a world out there that needs Jesus Christ. And the privilege we have in this time with what God has allowed to happen through the pandemic is we've broken out of our buildings. Let's stop trying to squeeze back in as the point. Get back together. Meet together. But the point is out there. Acts 1.8 obviously says you'll be my witnesses telling about me everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. But it begins out in these neighborhoods. It begins out in these communities. God placed you in Austin as a church and as a people for this season and it's for the purpose of the king and his kingdom. I'll skip through the rest, sorry, but uh, just the response quickly with it. A, let's switch from numbers now to A. Worship him alone. Make sure he remains our greatest focus, our greatest joy, our greatest treasure. Let him be preeminent in everything that we do as a church. B, no matter what comes the way of the church, let the burden and the task be spread across the shoulders of the whole church, not a select few. You don't have to be a preacher to carry the burden, you don't have to be a deacon, you don't have to be a worship leader, you don't have to sing. Some of you can be praying. I mean, on the meeting time, some of you can be praying in the back, ministering to people, smiling, greeting people. You can be sitting there praying for the sermon as it's happening. But even more, when you leave this place, those six and a half days of the week, you can do the work of the ministry out there. Amen. Marco and Kat will never reach the people you will. But together, you will reach this community and change. You want to see Austin change? Start with us. See, be spirit led so that our relevance is eternal. If you're led by the Holy Spirit, He's not going to lead you to do stuff that's a waste of time. He's going to lead you to do kingdom things. Let Him lead every moment of your life, everywhere you go. doesn't mean we just freeze and stand there forever. It means we're constantly walking with Him. Learn to know His voice. Learn to walk in step with Him. Spend time in His Word. Spend time with Him. Pray in tongues. Just go deep into the things of the Spirit of God so He is the one that leads us. And lastly, in it, look outward. The windows of the church are not so that people can look in, but so that we can look out. There's a world out there that desperately needs to know Jesus. There's a bunch of people like us who the only difference is we have been saved by his grace. They need him. And we are plan A, plan B, plan C, the only plan God has in place for them to come to know him. And what a privilege. What a privilege. So many stories I'd love to tell, but uh, let me just read the scripture and land. Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Everything. Church life, church meetings, our own life, our families, throw off the things that hinder us from the purposes of God. TV shows, series, whatever it is, you got hooked into Netflix, get out of it. It's time to get on with that which doesn't hinder us. And that sin that so easily entangles, let us run With perseverance, the race marked out for us. There is a race. Our time on this earth is limited. There is an urgency to this hour. People are dying and going to hell every day. And we have the cure for all eternity given to us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen? Let's stand together and pray for us. Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making Him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook.